0: In the hills of Happy Valley, Oregon, welcome to Until We Meet Again, brought to you by the kind support of Cornerstone Funeral Services in Boring, Oregon, and friends like you. I'm Elizabeth Fournier. This radio broadcast is an expression of our common ground to mortality, because after all, we are all in this together. Today's reading is edited and adapted from Psalm 71 the psalm of an elderly man who has many trials and problems, but he's obviously a content man who is able to put his focus on the Lord in the midst of these trials. The psalm shows us that God's way to grow old is to develop a walk with Him now. Though older believers feel at times that they are fading and declining, they also know that God Himself never grows weaker, and so we can all the more go with Him in our time of need. And that His grace is more than sufficient for our struggles. Though the psalmist is besieged, God's grace gives him a faith in the Lord that will not stagger nor fall. My guest today is Josh Latin, a man of God and humanitarian who cares for the aged in his home that I refer to as the House of Love. It's a formally and legally called heritage elder care estates located in damascus oregon and josh if you'll just indulge me here of my description about your house it's 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 sumptuous for me thank you for Uh, having me you betcha you betcha so it's a large home almost a grand manor full of comfort sunlight and fresh air just inside the front door a sitting room to the right is light drenched From the window seats framing vintage furniture pieces as antiquated framed art gazes down from lofty walls. One more sentence here. With timeless architecture and a light flooded palette that looks like it's absorbing vitamin B, the home promises a sunny life ahead.
1: I've never had such a description of my home. That's wonderful.
0: Well, it is the house of love, after all.
1: Thank you for that.
0: Absolutely. So you and your wife, Allison, she's the resident nurse of the home, Mm -hmm. and you've been the owners and overseers for how long now?
1: So 12 years since 2007 is when we opened our home, and we have loved every, really every second of it. It's been a great experience, and it's been really a calling for us.
0: Well, of course, I've got to dig into that. So why is it your calling?
1: (laughs) It's funny, as you look back on things, you don't realize things are your calling until like as an after, you know, looking back on something. And so for me, uh, working with the elderly and working with uh, those who are near the end of their life has, um, I almost look at it as, wow, I have been really prepared my whole life for this. Um, Things that have happened in my life, experiences, uh, it just can't be... You know, just can't be happenstance. It's not a mistake. So I really start framing it in that uh, reality that, wow, this this is something that I've been prepared for my whole life, and it's turned into a true calling from God.
0: Yeah, I truly think so. I think your backstory is kind of saying it all, because you do have a way you're raised, and then you have a faith, and then you have people who need you, and guess what? You're good at it. So it's sort of your thing. So how did this House of Love here, Heritage, how did it come to be? Just one day you saw a house and said, let's move some elderly in? What happened there?
1: Actually, no. Uh, We were, my wife is a nurse, registered nurse, and she was working at Dornbecker with children there. And uh, one day I was thinking, I'd like to have a business or a career, a profession uh, where we work from the home. And I had been... Regularly setting up businesses for other people and helping helping them do that, so I started looking into it for myself, and um, I sort of imagined this type of business before I even knew it existed. But as we did our research and as we started looking into the industry, we realized, wow, there's there's a whole niche here of <clears throat> adult foster home, uh, you know, care homes that exist, and we could easily do that. Uh, and so it took us from really the time of sort of inception. took us a whole year to get uh, really open and running, but it was uh, quite an experience and one I I enjoy very much.
0: So is it the paperwork? Is it the trust of the community? Is it learning the job? What took so long to kind of move things forward?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, before you start any business, you want to really do a lot of research. You want to look at licensing. You want to look at what's happening, the different... um, procuring a place large enough to have residents and getting the right place. That probably took the longest, you know, getting the financing down and things like that. The nuts and bolts of opening is always, it's its messy work, but uh, that's, that's just what it took.
0: So I want to disclose my first memory of your place that I refer to as the house of love. And I know normal people call it heritage elder estates. And I'll get into sort of why my nickname came from. So I was always passing this beautiful large house. And it's set back from the road and huge swaths of green grass and the pristine white fence. And it happens to be down the street from my house. All right. I always saw it was so lovely. And I thought, wow, that's this nice stately modern camel hue to it. I thought it was fantastic. So fast forward. My father has a stroke. About four years ago. And we're at the hospital, we, my brother, and myself, and we're told he can no longer live at home. He's lived in the same home um, for 40 years. He's a 79 year old man. And all of a sudden, we're told that's it. He has to go someplace. So I thought, I had no hesitation. My very first thought is wow. I'm going to call that place. So I picked up the phone, you, Josh answered, and by the grace of God, there was a room available. They said, come on in. I knocked on the door, and the most beautiful couple opened the door. I thought, is this the Angelina and Brad Pitt of a Damascus, <laughs> Oregon? What the heck? So I came in, and by that afternoon, my brother and myself, we were taking care of the paperwork. And that was it. Yeah. Um, that my memory all in a in in an eggshell there and actually I was saying to my brother it's the house on the corner it's that a modern camel hue and when he showed up he said oh you mean that prosthetic device beige color place (laughs) so I think my my vision in terms of it was much more romantic than his
1: well uh yes I thank you for the compliment uh (laughs) we uh my wife and I it's interesting the progress our care home is taken you know originally I did call it heritage elder care estates I took off estates because it just felt pretentious for me so right now we're referenced as heritage elder care LLC and originally Allison was the uh, you know nurse manager she did so much and started us off on the right track uh, over a six-year period And, and in the last six years I've taken a much more active role in being You know down with the residents managing being with the caregivers and it's been very um eye-opening for me uh you know because i realized how much work she was doing you know we've we've always been a team um originally i was more of like the night guy who could do a lot of the night work with our hospice clients and who could also do the heavy lifting as needed um we try not to use uh a lot of these hoya lifts out there and caregiving people know what I'm talking about, but I, I feel like that's the last thing anybody wants to see. It's a little bit scary, especially for someone who has dementia. So it's been, it's been interesting to see sort of that progression of uh, how our home has matured really in, in the amount of care that we've given and the level of care that we give.
0: And you truly promote a positive and healthy environment. I think residents really feel that they can achieve their highest level of independence, even though they are at a rather needy place in their life.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, there's there's certain stages of life where we re- really need a lot of help. Um, and we're really not afraid to take some really cha- challenging behaviors. Um, there's some care homes that are afraid to take someone who has advanced dementia, someone who is very, very confused. Um, we feel like... We've had actually quite a few experiences where uh, we've taken some medically challenging individuals and worked very closely with their doctors. You know, there's changing of medications or doing the right redirecting plans or some kind of, a lot of times it's the environment you make, the peacefulness there that really sets them on the right track. And they're able to thrive and be healthy uh, in this last stage of their life.
0: So, when you have people with a higher level of care, especially people who possibly have dementia, what type of tools and procedures, policies, all of that, do you have to put into place to make their care safe?
1: Well, initially, we just have to work with their doctors, uh, to really and their family members, to really figure out what level of care they need. What is uh, what is really needed as far as redirection? their environment, things that uh, mainly a lot of them need medication. Medication changes. So working with a doctor has always been really helpful in getting to that that point that they can uh, exist as as happily as they can in their situation. It's a real disease, and it's it's tough to watch for, especially family members. But I'm convinced that just about anybody, regardless of the behaviors they're exhibiting, can um, can find something that works for them.
0: I'm pretty sure people want their nursing home or their adult foster care to care for their loved one's current condition, but also I'm sure they want to make sure you do everything you can to keep the resident's health from declining if that's possible. So is there any sort of preventative care that you can offer?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we try to do everything that their doctors require and that their doctors suggest. So, uh, any and all of those things are are sought after.
0: You know, I think a really important and maybe even a preventative care measure that you have at the house is the little children. And I've got to say, the first time I rang the doorbell, a little kid in a Superman outfit answered the door. And that was your son, Rafe. And then there was a little guy in a Batman outfit. (laughs) That was your (laughs) son, Seth. And the little children who really interact with their grandmas and their grandpas. And they do some art. And they tell stories. And they sit on laps, And I think that's huge.
1: Yes, it is huge. Um, I'm a firm believer that the young and the old go great together, um, especially as the old are declining more and more. They need lots of young people around. Um, at our home, we've had three babies born while we've run our home. Actually, I've had, well
0: They've all been your babies.
1: All my babies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 26 puppies were born right there in the home. We had two litters of 13 each, Uh, so it's been really, it has been a house of love, and I've seen instances where someone might be in need of a hug from a baby, and it really helps them that day.
0: Mm -hmm. My dad always got a kick out of the fact you had those two big Great Danes, and they would just kind of slowly creature around the halls, I think residents really got a thrill from that, seeing they're just laying in their bed or watching TV, and there's this big Marmaduke Just cruising past the door. That was pretty funny for me, too. You don't see that every day, either.
1: Yeah, the Great Danes, they had their personal space area that we kept them to. But um, each day I would bring them through the home just as sort of pet therapy. Um, And Great Danes are gentle giants. They're not dogs that are going to jump up on laps or anything like that. So they love seeing them walk by the kitchen table on their way outside each day. And it's interesting, uh, I had one one lady, her name was Virginia, and we just were struggling so hard with how to make her happy because she had a little bit of dementia, but she just wasn't very happy. And then one day we brought some cats into her room, and this just changed everything for her. Um, and so we, we got her some cats, and she had for the last three years of her life... Uh, these cats, and it just changed, I mean, literally her personality. She was happy. She was just, those cats were her life. It was amazing to see the change that an animal would have. And um, <clears throat> what's difficult is a lot of homes, a lot of places, especially the larger facilities, they don't allow animals to live with their residents. And so I get calls uh, quite regularly of people searching for a room where their loved one can live with their animal. And I've always been a little bit shocked that other places just don't allow that. Um, it's been confusing to me. I thought, oh, we're, you know, we're in this age of, uh, you know, loving animals. Animals are part of our family. You know, that seems to be the mm-hmm. perception I have of our society. But, but it, it still continues as far as just disallowing animals in certain environments. So... My last two, I've had two recent um, people who've come into my home that have brought their animals with them. They're dogs and they're wonderful animals. I try to meet the animals, you know, first, of course, with them to see if it's a right fit for everybody that's there. Uh, Because that's part of the process of admittance. You want to make sure you bring in someone that's not going to really throw a wrench into your whole population right? Because so we have a small population. We just take care of five at a time.
0: So something I really loved is my father had a dog named Angel who was a Lhasa Apso. And that was the biggest thing in his life. And that dog, every night when I would visit, would come and it'd run in the house and run and jump on his lap. And you were so gracious in allowing that. And I always thought, this dog yaps. And it just sort of jumps wherever it wants on all those chairs. And, and then we also, then we had a black lab named Dixie that would run around. And it just, you were always so lovely over the fact of my, you know, my daughter would come and she'd bring a friend occasionally and nobody was really loud or out of control, but just between kids and between animals, your house was so readily open to that. And when I would share that with other friends, who had their parents in a care facility that I would say, man, yours sounds like so much more fun and so much more lively. (laughs) And I I can't even tell you the countless amount of times we'd sit around those old chairs, those lift chairs in the living room and watch TV and somebody would bring a movie in and there'd be popcorn or that little lady who comes once a week and she brings her little dog and she brings the McDonald's Sundays for everybody. Mm -hmm. And occasionally you'd have young ladies in from the church who would play the piano or read some scripture And it's just truly, I mean, there could be a pie baking every day. I thought, how do I move in here? This is truly (laughs) a house of love.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think a lot of people that try to start this kind of business, and I've heard that some uh, from one of my licensors, he actually said, you know, we get a lot of people that start care homes, and they usually shut down in the first year or two. And I was surprised by that. But I think a lot of people think, oh, this is, great business model. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to do, you know, these great things. But what they don't realize is you are basically committing to a 24 hour, you know, dedicated sort of your whole life is dedicated to this, uh, you you want to call it a business or a calling, but it truly is, it becomes a lifestyle. And if you don't look at it from that perspective you're not going to be happy you're not going to thrive and so it's really the successful care homes around town and they've a lot of them have been in business a long time they're the ones that have come come to terms with the fact that these people become a part of my family all of my residents I truly think of them as family members everyone who visits there's a lot of family members of residents who visit regularly that will be there every single day they become a part of your family and I think back to the you know the many people I've cared for over the years it's coming close up to almost 50 people over 12 years that's a lot of people and all of their family members and I just think so fondly on the the relationships I've built and it really is a it's a business of relationships and you're able to serve these people in that, you know, that final stage of their life, and um, that's what's what's been most rewarding to me personally, because I look at um, what I've built and I look at what I've done, and I just think, wow, how else could I have, for one, raised my kids in a service-oriented environment? How else could I have come to be super close friends with, oh, you know, close to fifty people? And learn about them, and learn to love them, and the unique things about them. It's just really fascinating, and so that part of, you know, caregiving and, and, you know, doing this type of that business, that's where I really get excited, and that's where I really am like, oh my gosh, this is such a blessing.
0: There was something I saw a couple years back. It's a post you put on Facebook, and you probably will remember it once I mention it, but it was your wedding anniversary, and there's this beautiful picture of the two of you dressed up in your wedding clothing, and it thanks your wife for being there with you and celebrating another anniversary, but it also says, and we want to thank... The people who are in our life, and at that point, maybe you had had twenty residents, and you list everybody's name and their last initial. Do you remember that post? I do. I thought that was pretty fantastic. That, that is your family. That is your life. Those people have all seen your children, talked to your children. Your children have sang to them, and that they're your family too, and they're part of your marriage story. So I thought that was really special.
1: Yeah, it is. It is very special, and. Um you know anybody that attempts to do this type of work, they they truly have to come to terms with the dying process and with the fact that your close friends that you're inviting into your home and your family, uh, they're going to eventually pass away and move on to that that next stage. Um, and in order to do that without any, you know, and to continue doing that, uh, you have to come to terms with um, really your faith of what do i believe in, you know. And so that's what helps me. I every time i have someone who's in the active process of passing away, i have a little bit of a of a tough time because one i'm sad that they're leaving and i'm sad i'm not going to be able to hang out with them, you know, because that's really what i do. I hang out all day with these people and it's a wonderful experience. And uh but i but i have to really hold on to that hope that is, I know that I'll see them again, you know, and I think that's the case with anybody who's experienced death in their life. Uh, a really, really helpful hope to have. And, um, for me, it's funny cause I, I sometimes imagine all of these people who I've helped over the years and I think, man, what a beautiful reunion it's going to be when i eventually go meet them on the other side and when i have like all of these best friends who are just standing there saying thanks for the help you gave me in a very difficult time of my life and you know part of my belief personally is that when you go on to whatever you want to call heaven or the next stage um we have this spirit that is still ours but it's not like a 90-year-old spirit, right? It's like a prime of their life spirit. So I'm really excited to see, like, what do these guys look like in their prime? Will I recognize them? They're going to have to reintroduce themselves to me. <laughs>
0: yeah, hopefully you'll be able to feel the essence and yes. think, oh, yeah, that's Don who watched baseball exactly. every day, and I had to sit there and talk to him about I really stats. don't think
1: it'll be that difficult. I think <laughs> I'll see them and know instantly who they are. So we've spent that much time together.
0: You know, I can go on and on and on about all my personal experiences in your home that were so great, and one surrounds around food, which is also just a favorite topic of mine in general. I remember that there were two sisters who would visit their mom, and every Friday they would make food. They would go to Safeway, they'd get a menu together, and you allowed people to come into the home and cook. There was a woman who had an orchard nearby when she was, a, when she was actually living in this family home prior, and she had a bunch of things that she'd canned over time. So you kind of allowed her to bring those items with her when she came to your house. Your food, it's always so nutritionally rich. I'm curious, how do you make food for five different residents who probably all have different eating styles, um, times they want to eat, as well as what they can eat?
1: That's a tough one. I try to involve them in creating their own menus. Um, And so those people who can decide. Um, some people who don't have any clue what's going on, I try to ask their family members, what kinds of foods did they like? What kind of foods do you remember them enjoying when they were younger? And then incorporating that into my menu. So I give a lot of thought into my menus. Um, everything, you know, I it has to be really you know, homemade, really, because that's what people enjoy the most. So, Mm. yeah, that's how we come up with our food menus. But involving them is key because uh, as you, you know, I can remember some people, They first day there at my home, they're like, oh, please don't serve me any chicken because my last place, I just got chicken every single day, and I hate it. So, of course, you know, we didn't serve her chicken until she asked for it one day. So...
0: (laughs) So hand in hand then with food is how do you encourage exercise among residents?
1: That's a harder one because a lot of people are physically unable, uh, but there's lots of things you can do even when you're wheelchair bound. Um, you know, we do, we do a lot of these fun games, uh, passing around balloons, sitting in chairs, even at the table we'll throw roll balls around, and everyone just loves this sort of sort of almost like mindless game uh but if if they're able you know I had one resident who would take a daily walk in my backyard you know and she was she would walk three four five laps and I just remember thinking wow Joyce you are getting lots of good exercise this is amazing so uh yeah the nice thing is I have a big enough property that we can walk around as needed and um We really push them to get up and stand and walk. And even if it's just up and down the hallway a couple times a day, uh, it really helps to get the blood flowing.
0: I remember those activities with the ball. Everybody would sit around the table and push this ball back and forth. We'd hit the balloon. And then sometimes we'd actually hit the balloon back and forth in the living room. And even people like myself (laughs) visiting got totally into it. So it's funny when you say mindless because I think most of us, even those people in the 90s, they wanted to win. (laughs) <laughs> they wanted to smack the balloon or the ball. And it's, yeah, I remember seeing just the enthusiasm of all these people to sort of roll in this thing. And I mean, they were in the moment, loving it, and they were fully exerting themselves.
1: Yeah, it gets pretty exciting sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I just, you had a Western um, jag for a while. For like one week, all the shows on were the Western channel. And that was kind of cool because all these shows I hadn't seen. And I've got to say, for somebody who, um, you know, was somebody who didn't live there. Mm -hmm. I really, you know, I guess I could wrap up the show by saying that I've never had such a wonderful nursing home experience. And I've got to say, it's not delightful to have your father have a stroke and have to go live someplace, but i got to tell you, I made wonderful friends out of the deal. I've gone to church with your family. I've had, We've had each other out for meals. I've become close friends and my children, my daughters become close friends to your children. And it's amazing how your caretakers have been lovely humans. And you've got the volleyball net in the backyard and the swimming pool. And my brother would often say to me, wow, well, Liz, you're sure getting the money is worth over there, because every time you say you're at Heritage playing volleyball, and you're in the pool, and you're hanging out, and you're going and doing all these things. So, just want to say the House of Love, the Heritage Elder Care in Damascus, Oregon. Um, They're always happy to give you a tour, answer your phone calls. My guest has been Josh Latin, the proprietor. You've been listening to KKPZ 1330 AM, The Truth. Thank you to my guest, Josh, and until we meet again next week